Welcome back. Sorry, I'm taking this away from Lon because we are uh, definitely on a roll here. This is part two of the Fanboy Planet podcast for... <laughs> I didn't think that was connected. For Wednesday, April 18, 2007. In part one, we talked about comics, wrestling, all kinds of casting news, but we had the most exciting thing probably in, the, in Fanboy Planet history. Rick got to actually go to the offices of both Marvel and DC, and this week he's got... Marvel stuff to tell us about and interviews to and, play for but us. But before he goes there, can we just like have a round for Rick? Because this guy went over there, set up the interviews, did the interviews, recorded, reported. Awesome job, Rick. Congrats. Thank absolutely, you. absolutely. And he saw a few Broadway shows, and that was cool. Yeah, that was, it was oh, a great weekend. You lose points you, for that. And the no, best no. thing was we left right before the Nor'easter hit. <laughs> so we didn't well, done. Oh. Yeah. well done. Well done. So there we go. Like escape from New York. So Rick, who do we have here today? We have so we got into it. the offices on uh, Thursday morning, about ten o'clock, rainy, four seventeen Fifth Avenue, and uh, I have to shout out to my buddy Arun. Arun Singh took me around the offices. Uh, yeah, if you want to read an all iron about fist it, tattoo. he has an Iron Fist tattoo. I'm not gonna say where. Like the dragon or just Iron the, Fist? The winged dragon. Oh, I wanted to get one of those. <laughs> <laughs> it looks cool. Uh, and we walked around. You can read all about that in the story and picture uh, gallery on fanboyplanet.com right now. It's up there. Uh, we did get to do interviews with Mark Venetia. Mm-hmm. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. And Bill Roseman. Mm-hmm. And we'll go to the Bill, uh, to the Mark first. And he's okay. going to talk about World War Hulk. All right. Uh, I'm Mark Benicci, senior editor at Marvel. And you're down with a cold right now, which is why your voice that's is right. not resoundingly powerful. That's right. And your involvement with World War Hulk coming up? Uh, in June, May and June. Starting off with a prologue in May and also Hulk, Incredible Hulk 106, which is a prologue of its own uh, that sets up what's happening in the regular Hulk series while the the big battle ensues in the five-issue miniseries that is done by Greg Pak and the great John Romita Jr. Excellent. Now, Hulk's been away for a while, right? He's been away for about 14 issues. And so is this a clean place for people to jump on and get a brand-new story? Oh, I think so. I think so. If you pick up Hulk 105, you'll understand why Hulk is so mad. People have been thinking that he's going to return and he's he's upset because he's been exiled from Earth. But there's something that happens on the planet that really pushes him over the edge. And he's more powerful than he's ever been before. And uh, he is a major threat to the Marvel Universe. So... 
What can you tell us about Amadeus Cho? This guy's kind of not shown up in too many comics beforehand, but mm-hmm. he's kind of big in this series. Yeah, yeah. He uh, he. The first appearance was in uh, Amazing Fantasy number fifteen, and um, he had uh, an incident where he met the Hulk, and uh, Amadeus kind of looks at Hulk as a rock star, like he can do no wrong. This is his idol, um, and Amadeus has, has lost pretty much everything in his world. He lost his family. Uh, so he doesn't have anything to lose. So that kind of makes him dangerous in the sense that he's he's extremely smart. He's on the Hulk side. And uh, and right now, the Hulk doesn't need anybody else on his side. So, so S.H.I.E.L.D. and Iron Man and Mr. Fantastic are all racing to try to take Amadeus Cho down before he can do any real damage. Great. Thank you very much. Sure. Appreciate the uh, the spotlight. No problem. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm excited about World War Hulk. I Actually, think we talked you about know, that, that got me kind of really excited for Planet Hulk. I was interested in it, but after hearing him kind of pitch it like that, I'm kind of like. Oh, I can't wait now. Here's yeah. a real shocker. I'm actually kind of excited after that. You don't even read comics. I, I don't like I don't like Marvel comics typically, but that sounds interesting. Yeah. But it's also by Greg Pak, whom you've interviewed for Fanboy Planet a couple of times. So let's be honest about that. We've got to have that disclosure. You've met Greg. I, I know Greg fairly well. From a, and, and from a long time back, before he was a Marvel writer. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think the first interview you did with him was for Robot Stories, wasn't it? The was for, yeah, it was for Robot Stories back in uh, 2002 or three. Mm-hmm. And about a, a, maybe six or seven months after you said, you got to check out this guy Greg Pack, then Marvel's got Greg Pack. I'm like, what the hell? I hate it when Garcia's ahead of the crowd. Yeah, <laughs> Mark, Mark was a great guy, and he was he was not feeling well that morning. He well, was well. We thank Mark for that time. Then that was thank great. You much. So a nice interview. So thank you. And uh, then uh, Arun and I sat down and talked for a while, and we were joined very shortly thereafter by Bill Roseman. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you introduce yourself? And what Hi you- there. I'm Bill Roseman, uh, editor at Marvel Comics in the Heroes Office. Uh, work with Tom Brevoort who's our executive editor. We work on all of the, uh, I would say, classic varsity Marvel heroes, uh, plus we've newly gained Spider-Man. So we do all the, uh, you know, your famous heroes, Fantastic Four, Avengers, um, uh, Spider-Man. Uh, I'm doing the Cosmic books, uh, taking that over from Andy Schmidt, who's gone on to the uh, X-Books. Um, Fallen Sun. Uh, doing Fallen Sun, of course, and all the heroes that are in those groups. Okay. So all the characters that are Avengers, all characters that were in Fantastic Four, um, and any character that would not be considered an X-Men. Uh, we do everything. All the good stuff. Okay. <laughs> Thor, Namor. Um, personally, I edit... Thor? Thor's coming back. Oh, okay, I knew that. <laughs> not the clone. <laughs> Actually, it's not even a clone. Thor. It's an android. I don't, know why they call it, I don't know why in the world they call it a clone. I, I don't know who. Don't call it a clone. We didn't. We didn't. We didn't. Uh, we didn't use. We didn't. Uh, we heard it first from somebody else, but the the term "clore" I Chlor. think is being used. Because it's not a clone. There's a conspiracy it's a theory. Clone, but <laughs> it's not a clone. There's a conspiracy theory, and I know you won't comment on this, but the, Lay it the, on me. the idea that Cap may not have died, and we're calling it Clap. See, you know... Isn't our official stance that Captain America's dead? First of all, no one wants to get the clap. So that's number one. Number two, it's interesting that there are all these theories because 
as you have with real deaths, no one wants to believe it's real. Right. No one wants to believe that Elvis, Captain America is dead. John Same Lennon. thing. Elvis yeah. is still alive. He's selling donuts. You know, I saw John Lennon pumping gas. I, no one wants to believe these people are dead. Um, and I think it's a few things. A. Chris Broadbent, 4049. Chris Broadbent, 4049. From, from the very first heroic tale, part of the people were outraged. How could you kill Cap? How could you do it? My mom called me up. How could you do this to this nice person? I said, Mom, Cap is a hero. Think about all heroic tales. Would it, would Harry Potter be exciting if nothing happened to him and he just went to class and got good grades? And horrible things must happen to our heroes. Uh, and since the beginning of time, a huge part of that has been the death and rebirth. Uh, we, every single hero you can think of has a symbolic death and rebirth. It's part of what makes a hero a hero. And it still shocks us. I can't believe you did that. Like, well... What would be better if Captain America just woke up and there was no villains to fight? And he right. Just, oh, we may want, apart. oh, you know, let's let's have it happy and let's marry Cap to, you know, Sharon. And, let, you know, it's like, that's the death. Yeah. That, is, that is the actual death of heroes. When you go with those impulses of let's have the most wonderful thing happen to your heroes, that is the end of their heroic struggle. But you manage it with Spider-Man. Yeah, but... Spider-Man is one of us. Spider-Man goes through normal life changes. He graduates from things. He moves on. He has girlfriends. He gets serious. He gets married. And even in the marriage, there has been troubles, uh-huh. as everyone who in a marriage. And some would say, you know, just like Superman, Spider-Man should have never gotten married. That's the point. You know, yeah. the point of Superman and Lois Lane is the romantic triangle. That's why it's beautiful. She thinks Superman is cool. He's actually Superman. He can't tell her. That's the magic. When you remove that, it's gone. It's gone. It's destroyed. So same thing with Spider-Man. He's Charlie Brown. You should always go to kick that football and never kick it. What fun is it if Charlie Brown kicks the football? So Spider-Man, in my mind, should never get the girl. You should always almost get her, have her for a little bit, thinks he has her... Or only has her to set up this horrible loss. So if you ask me, they should have never gotten married. Okay. Now, what's funny is when I was young and, you know, the guy was like, yay, he's married. But then I was like, wow, this is kind of boring now. What, you know. But it was still, it's so interesting to see what, what do, what does Spider-Man do? What are the bumps in the road once, once he, once you go there? Once he gets married, what, what could happen? And how could the relationship develop? So, back to Captain America is these changes that characters go through. Things that happen to them, how do they respond? A hero is a hero not when he's doing well, but a hero is a hero when the worst happens. How do they respond? Um, so now we're examining um, all of Marvel heroes in Fallen Sun, which is a five-issue uh, miniseries written by Jeff Loeb, art by some of the brightest stars in the artistic galaxy. We have um, issue one is uh, out now on the stands, drawn by Linnell Yu, beautiful. He does a great, gritty... Um, Wolverine, Wolverine and uh, Daredevil. Daredevil's in it. Crossbones. Winter Soldier, Crossbones. So um, of the five issues, as brilliantly um, suggested by J. Michael Straczynski, is let's look at the five stages of grief that people go through when someone dies. Ah, okay. Because um, we're, we're thinking about it all began many moons ago at an editorial meeting. And we're discussing um, upcoming plans. And we said, yeah, Cap's getting shot. He's going to die. And Jeff Loeb was like, and then what are you going to do about it? And to our eyes, it's so funny, I think because we were very close to it, we thought 
it, it didn't hit us as how big this could be because um, we're used to characters dying and just like you got to do something even bigger than you have planned so we had things planned we had the story planned and all that but just like we got to do something bigger and huger for all these people who are going to walk in off the street and want to be a part of this which we didn't we thought is that going to happen I mean Superman died That's, it's already happened so we didn't think it was going to be as huge gigantic a response as what ended up happening Anyway, Jeff was very smart, and he said, we got to do something, uh, a story that examines this impact on the Marvel heroes. And we're going back and forth, what could it be, what could it be? And then JMS said, hey, what if, you know, think about reactions to, to death and the grieving process, just the five steps. And they're not always in the same order, but classically there's, there's anger. You know, first there's um, denial. Denial. Denial is, nah, he's not dead. Which everyone's saying, nah, right, right. he's not dead. Because when you think about it, when you hear someone, oh, you know, Frank Sinatra died. What? No, Frank can't die. He's not dead. Then anger. Ah, damn it. I can't believe Frank Sinatra is dead. I love his music. Then there is bargaining. Ah, you know, people, then people will, you know, please, Lord, take me instead. Don't take, you know, don't take my son. Don't take my daughter. Take me. Bargaining. Then there is, let's see. I should know these now. Denial. Anger. Burning depression. Depression. Then you're sad. Ah, my world is over. No more Frank Sinatra. I can't go on. And then finally, acceptance. Okay. <sighs> Frank is dead. But life must go on. I will have his songs. I will listen to him. We will go on. So each one of those is paired up with a different hero. Yes. Each issue is a different reaction. Each issue is a different character who embodies that reaction. And each issue has a different artist who best captures that emotion. Cool. Um, so f- first is Wolverine, uh, and Wolverine's seen and done it all. And he's like, ah, I don't believe it. He's not dead. Come on, this guy survived World War II. He's been on more adventures than I can count. And Wolverine has survived so much. You know, um, he's not dead. It's like saying Jean Grey is dead. The phoenix always rises. So yeah. he doesn't believe it. Um, and that issue follows him as he goes to confront it to see, is he really dead? Issue two is anger. And all the stories are linked. They're, they're, they're one shots. They stand on their own. You can just buy one or, or none. Hopefully you'll buy them all. Uh, cause I think you'll enjoy them. But you'll, if you read them, you'll all see subtle ways how they're all linked. They're all happening in, in time. There's a story to follow. So, um, issue two is, uh, anger. Um, and it features the Avengers. There's two teams of Avengers now. Right. There's the Mighty Avengers who are, um, Tony's new team of, uh, Avengers. They're the ones out there, um, officially sanctioned out there, fighting the monster, saving the world. Then there's the underground new Avengers, um, who are resisting, um, the outcome of the Civil War. Um, and they have two very, uh, different reactions, but they're both, uh, you both see how, what happens when heroes get angry. One group is out there, uh, smashing monsters. One group is playing poker and getting mad at each other. Uh, so that's issue two drawn by Emma Guinness. It's great. And, and, and the, uh, the poker thing is actually all inspired by, there's an issue of Marvel 2 and 1. Marvel 2 and 1, number 51, drawn by young Frank Miller. Okay. Which featured The Thing and Wonder Man and his Marvel, and it's awesome. It's great. It's a poker it game. It's a poker game. I remember that one. And there's yeah. a page of them all sitting playing poker that inspired one of the pages, so uh, you should check that out. Uh, issue three, then... Is uh, anger, uh, denial. What's the third? Bargaining. Bargaining is when um, Tony Stark is thinking, um, you know, okay, Cap is dead, but you know, maybe 
could there be another cap? Steve Rogers is dead. Maybe someone else could take over cap. So that's his whole story of searching for can there be a replacement and us confronting the idea of, of can you make that bargain? Is that a bargain you can make? Can there be another Captain America? Issue four is, um, oh, and that is uh, drawn by, oh, the great John Romita Jr. and inked by Klaus Janssen. And it's, it's beautiful. Wow. It's uh, it's a great urban, uh, rainy scene, and, and John and Klaus knock it out of the park. It's gorgeous. Um, and then once you read it, you'll see, I don't want to spoil it now, but there's some other characters involved that are just, it, it, it makes so much sense, and it's there's there's kind of layers of interactions. and um, It really, uh, once you read it, there's different levels of, of, of what things mean. Um, and in, in a pure comic geek out uh, mode, there's also some really cool, like, oh, that's cool, that makes sense. So that is uh, bargaining issue uh, four is depression, uh, drawn uh, by David Finch, and it's gorgeous. No one can draw this kind of rainy, sad story like he does. Um, and it's Spider-Man, and he's saying, well, God, if 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 Cap, the greatest of us, if he has died, what? How can I go? How? What? What's the use of me fighting? If he dies, I'm going to die. Why even do this? So that's Peter, who, who has been surrounded by death his entire life. Uncle Ben, Gwen Stacy, Captain Stacy. Um, so him really dealing with just this, all this death coming down on him. And Spider-Man thinking, is anything worth anything? And then five is uh, acceptance um, for the entire Marvel Universe. And so our message is, Cap is dead. I know there's all these conspiracies, and he's not really dead, and Cap is dead. Okay. And now we as readers must also go through these stages. So hopefully this journey will take not only our characters, but the readers through these stages. I don't believe he's dead. How? why they do that? Damn them. Well, what? okay, maybe Steve Rogers is dead. Maybe someone else can be Captain America. No, there can only be one Cap. Ugh, this sucks. And then, okay. Cap's dead. Cap is dead. Let's go on with our lives. We'll keep them in our hearts. What's next? Excellent. That makes a lot more. I mean, it makes a very compelling story. Yes. I think. Yeah. I think um, it's funny when I when I will be on a train or whatever, and or I'll be talking to my relatives, and they'll ask me about things, and like, what's about Captain America? And I tell them about the story, and they're shocked by, wow, comic books are they're, they're about something. Yeah. They're about uh, ideas, and they're 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 um, they're deeper than we think. And I said, of course, we're adults making them and reading them. We're, we're going to make stories that that um, yes, people will punch each other in costume, but it means something. What does that fight mean? What does this specific person fighting that specific person? What does that mean? What do they each represent? Um, we just went to a big Robert McKee story seminar. Who he um, is a very accomplished. Uh, scriptwriter and he does this great seminar where you go for hours and hours and you discuss the story the path of the hero and the big thing he said is movies or any any genre comic book novel poem music video it's just a metaphor for life you know Harry Potter is just about how do you grow from being a child to an adult you go through these dark things and you emerge you either become a better person or it breaks you. So there's wizards, there's spells, there's dragons. It's just about you and me surviving high school and becoming adults. Still. And that's what comics are. They're a metaphor for life. They're, they're, 
they're they're people with cool powers and costumes, doing cool things, but beneath that, they're about something. They're modern stories, and they're uh, and they're about our lives, about what we go through, and that's what Fallen Sun is. It's a great summation. Oh, you'd also asked earlier about the initiative. Uh, Mark, uh, Bill will be able to tell you Miss Marvel is one of the big oh, books we have right now tying into everything. Right, right, right. He's very passionate about it, and that'll it's one of the books for your readers. He can tell you about it. It's yes, a book to check out right the, now. The, the first book I was assigned, and I was so happy because I've, I've loved the character for many years is Miss Marvel. And I, ever since I read the Avengers issues of George Perez's first run, uh, where she was in, I just thought she was so cool with this cool costume with a lightning bolt, oh, yeah. and and Miss Marvel wasn't a shrinking violet. She was she was one of the guys. She has that cool military uh, background, so she's out there um, charging into the fight. She's not one to, to sit back. I always thought she was great. Um, so Marvel brought her back, and, 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 and the brilliant thrust of the story that Brian Reed, the writer, came up with is because of House of M, in House of M, she was the hero, the, the world's number one hero. She was their Captain America. Nothing had changed. Same powers, same costume, same person. But she had been applying herself more. She had been reaching her potential. She had been actively going out there and doing these things. So when she wakes up in our world, same person, same power, same costume. Wow, I'm like a B-level hero. Why am I not our number one hero? So she makes a decision, and instead of saying, ah, I'm going to give it up, forget it. She says, no, I'm going to be the number one hero of this world. So she sets out to be the best of the best, the best hero she can be. But the question then is, how do you do that? You say, I want to be Superman. How do you be Superman? It brings up things like, I can either, you know, there's two things I can either save this bus of children going off the cliff or this orphanage on fire. I can't do both. I want to do both. I'm going to try and do both. But what happens? Do you succeed at both? Um, how, how do you be the best hero? Can you be too aggressive? Can you make the wrong decisions? Can you charge into things and mess up? And that's the great thing about the Marvel characters is they're not perfect. They're perfect. They'd be boring. Yeah. They have feet of oh, yeah. play. They have problems. Um, they, they have shortcomings. They make mistakes. They're like you and me. So people, it's like people in the world. There's people in, 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 in government positions have all this power, but they goof up. They make wrong decisions. Which brings us to Ms. Marvel number 13, where she had her whole first year where she set out to be the best of the best. And when I sat down and, and we looked over the year, Brian Reed and I, we saw she was kind of ping-ponging around. She was fighting sorcerers. She was fighting aliens. She was fighting robots. And we sat down and said, is she being the best of the best? What, you know, what is she doing? And so the character herself comes to a realization of, what am I doing? I need to focus. I need to not wait until things to show up at my apartment to react to them. I need to go out and act first. So because of the initiative... She was on uh, uh, the registration side. She she has a background of being with the government, of law enforcement. She thought that it made perfect sense, as part of myself did, of, yes, heroes should be trained. I don't want a person who thinks they're an EMT to show up and give me mouth-to-mouth resuscitation and kill me. I want someone who's trained, who's gone, who knows what to do. I want... I don't want people running around with guns saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to arrest people. No, I want them to be cops. I want them to be trained. I want them to be held accountable. Same thing with superheroes. I don't want you coming in and flying through this wall. You're trying to do something, and you, you, you kill my office mate. What gives you that right? I want you to be accountable, to be trained with these crazy powers. So that's how Carol feels. So uh, her side won. 
heroes now have to be trained. You may be able to lift a house, but we're going to teach you how to do it properly so you don't kill people. So um, she is part of that wave of heroes training young heroes. And, and uh, Tony comes to her and says, I want you to lead the Mighty Avengers. And she says, hmm, okay, but how can I, how can I use this as a good thing? Not just leading this team. How can I help more people by agreeing to be a part of this team? So she makes a deal with Tony. I'll lead your team of Avengers, but here's what I want in return. I want S.H.I.E.L.D. resources. I want S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. I want S.H.I.E.L.D. technology. I don't want to be an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. I don't want S.H.I.E.L.D. to tell me what to do. I want to do what I want to do, but I want to use some of these resources. I want to form my own small group. And Tony's like, well, you already got the Avengers. And she says, yeah, but the Avengers are a sledgehammer. Sometimes you need a scalpel. Sometimes... Before the mole man is invading the city, you need to attack. You need to attack them before, so they don't grow into this big problem that then the mighty Avengers needs to do. So her idea is to be the best of the best heroes. She's going to go after who she thinks right now are the worst of the worst, the villains, and tackle them before they grow into huge things. So that started with issue thirteen. It's really fun. Um, the first big thing she takes on is AIM um, because they're essentially we're, we're treating them like Al Qaeda. They're setting off bombs. Um, and what's interesting about AIM is they think they're doing the right thing. They think humanity is shackled by religion, politics, and that's hurting people. And they think humanity should be led by science. Science is noble. Science makes things even. So they're forwarding their uh, belief in science, and they're willing to cause violence to get people to have attention to this. So we're trying to treat them in a, in a realistic way. And she knows this is, this is wrong. i got to shut these freaks down. Which leads her head to giant head with MODOK. Because uh, we love giant-headed villains. Modoc. So that's the first uh, ongoing story. Yes, with little arms and a big head. Um, that's called the Ready Aim Fire. And then after that, we're going to go into another story where we're, we're um, bringing back another Marvel villain and approaching them very seriously. And I don't want to reveal who that is because that's part of the fun. But um, as Carol's story goes on, she has her list. You know, she has a Santa Claus list of who's been naughty. And she's going after these people around the world uh, in her uh, group called Operation Lightning Storm. She's striking them. Boom, 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 boom. And we're following what happens when someone says, I'm going to go after these guys. How long are the Greg Horn covers going to keep going? Um, that's a good question. I, I, I'd, I'd like to keep them for a full year. Um, I think the, the Ms. Marvel series has had a number of great cover artists, but it's kind of bounced around, and I kind of want to give the readers... Um, uh, a consistent uh, uh, look that they can say, I'm going and look, you know, oh, that's Ms. Marvel cover. And I think Greg brings this, um, what I love about him is, is he has a ton of mass market experience. He's done, um, he's done posters for um, uh, Ringling Brothers Circus, he's done posters for the Olympics, he's done posters for huge uh, mainstream mass market accounts, Nike, uh, and the reason is that people connect with stuff. It's so eye-catching. It's realistic. It's hyper-realistic. It's over the top. It's not subtle. There's nothing subtle about it, but there's nothing subtle about Ms. Marvel. Right. She's in your face. Either you like it or you don't like it. And he brings it about. She's sexy. She's strong. She's powerful. Um, she knows she's cool. And and I feel the same way with, with Greg's art. It's over the top. It's sexy. It's strong. It's cool. It's in your face. You can see it from across the comic book store. Um, so he's done six covers, and, and hopefully we'll have six more, and um, we'll see where we go from there. Getting back to Cap for just a second. Um, but there was somebody quoted, I think, the day that the comic hit the street, mm-hmm. that it's a shame Cap 
That was Joe Simon. Oh, it was. It was right, Joe right, Simon. Right. And he says, he says, oh, it's a shame. We really need heroes like Cap now. And I tell people, I've, we, we get a ton of fan mail. And they're like, ah, that's it. You've destroyed my childhood. How could you do this? We like, And they and they, they, they quote that quote. So we need heroes now. And I say, you know what? We agree totally. We are huge Cap fans. There's no one bigger Cap fans than the people who are spending their lives making stories about Captain America. We love Captain America. We grew up with him. We don't hate him. We don't hate our heroes. We love them. Because we love them, we do mean things to them. Because that makes them heroes. So we totally agree with Joe Simon. The world does need heroes like Captain America now. And that's what all of our stories are exploring now. The world needs Cap. Cap is dead. What next? Change gears a second. Comic readers demographically are getting older. True. Uh, bringing new people into comics. Right. Marvel's done a lot with Marvel Age. Right. And what more can you do? What, are, are, the, are all books suitable for all ages? Uh, no, they're not, and that's why they're rated. Uh-huh. In fact, I had a, I got a hilarious letter. I thought it was funny. Uh, the person who wrote it did not think it was funny. He said, ah, I just read this Captain America age 25 to my 8-year-old son, and it made him cry. <laughs> and I said, I thought to myself, well, I'm... Sorry, sir, but on the cover it says rated teen, teen plus. So if you chose to read this teen plus book or comic or show your eight-year-old a radar movie, that's your decision. You know that going in. What effect might that have on your child? So, um, yes, not all comics are for all readers, just like not all movies and not all novels. You, as a responsible parent, uh, you have to look at the rating, <laughs> and um, so and that's what's great is that we can we create comics for you through all ages. You come in at Marvel Adventures, um, just like I did as a kid. I read Spidey Super Stories. Mm-hmm. I read I read reprints of older comics, and then I, I I got older. I wanted more. I wanted more complexity, and then I graduated to 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 uh, the mainstream books. And then, um, even if you want something beyond that, you know, we have Max. Um, and even in, in, in um, our mainstream books, you have different levels of, of all ages and, and, uh, and teen plus. And so you, even within those, you can, these books deal with different subject matters. So I think we're doing a great job of offering projects and um, content and formats, magazine formats, digest formats, graphic novel formats. Um, now doing licensed things like Dark Tower and Halo. Um, we're doing a lot to create a lot of different content for a lot of different readers. We're big Dark Tower fans. It's we've, a beautiful book. Every time I, I forget how good it is, I read the next issue. Yeah. And I go into Ralph's office the next day and I say, Ralph, this was so good. Not just the story, but the, when you look at the production values of the book, the ads that are selected to go into the book, the way things are designed, mm-hmm. um, that's the beautiful thing about being an editor. You decide everything. Where are the UPC boxes? Is it horizontal? Is it vertical? What's the color of the logo? Where's the logo? What are the ads? Where are the ads? We decide sometimes where the ads are placed. Um, so we try and craft this whole... So it's not to break up the story flow. Trying to say... Uh, we, we try and have ads go in between scenes to save a surprise, um, to not break up a flow. Um, Ray Chinkasing, 4001. We get a certain map of where certain ads are, and some we, just, we can't move. But some, we can move some here and there. Um, but yeah, all the thoughts go in here. It's like commercials on a TV show. Where do you put the commercials? And Robin Firth actually does exist. She's not just another Randall flag. I, I haven't met her myself, but I've seen photos of her. Uh, We've Ralph, seen photos Ralph, too. Ralph We're just not convinced. She was at the New York Comic Con, so 
She exists. I think she knows more about Dark Tower than... There was once this guy named Richard Bachman, too. Yeah, well, I haven't seen Richard Bachman. I have seen Stephen King, but not Richard Bachman. Alrighty. That was great. Can I get you to do a bumper for us? Yes. Oh, definitely. No, all i got to say is um, I don't like the Fallen Sun idea, but I read the first one, Wolverine, and... uh, I thought it was well done. I, I'm starting to really become a, a, a Linnell Yu fan. I like Linnell Yu. His Lin-L-U. art is like just crazy. It's like so crazy it just might work. You know what I mean? It's well, at, like, the, at the risk of promoting uh, and the heels of a Marvel interview, a DC book, hey, did you read Mark Wade's uh, Birthright with Linnell Yu? No. Superman? Superman, no. Oh, uh, that, I think it was his ma- first major assignment. Great stuff. Great stuff, and I and I and I, I will pick up a book. I will give a book a second look. He's one of the few artists that's like, huh. I don't know why that guy's caught my attention, but he has. So well, I think it's just his style is so different from everything what we're used to. And uh, like I said, though, I think it's crazy. So I'm I'm not sure how long it's gonna you know stay cool for me. But I think you know it's one of those right now where I'm really into his stuff. You know what I mean? So. So I'll read it. And then also in that interview they talked about there's a, a Fallen Son with uh, John Reader Jr. and Klaas Jansen doing the... Uh, Iron Man. Oh, I can't wait for that. Those that's are, great. That's my fa- one of my favorite art combos right there. So Art and subject matter, yeah. Yeah. Well, just Klaus Johnson. Klaus? Klaus Johnson? Klaus Jansen. Klaus. Klaus Jansen is one of my favorite inker artists, yeah. so I can't wait. That's great. I, I mean, I, I like that they've tied it into something thematic. Uh, going through those five stages, it, it's... Uh, pretty interesting that they, they bother with it. I, I would agree with Lana. I didn't pick him up because I'm still, like, annoyed at the whole, <laughs> you know, the reason for them. But, you know, and which, sorry, Bill, you know, skirted around that, that idea of, you know, there's death and rebirth and no one wants to accept. But you notice he said all the heroes go through rebirth. So, yeah. gee, what does it say except, um, well, duh, well, we all know. I mean, you know. Well, when they're only going to be pushing a movie later in a couple of years, which we know for a fact, yeah, I mean that's on the docket. So. And then we just there was I think we we didn't touch on it in the other podcast, but you know they they also just announced that Sega is going to be producing new Captain America video games. So yeah. it's like yeah. you can't produce games from a dead hero. So well, and you go to the web, you go to even Family Planet, but it links to Marvel. They, they have a sweepstakes. You can you can win a role, a walk on in one of the upcoming movies, and one of the upcoming movies listed is Captain America. So right. it's there. Exactly. You can't have a dead hero. Why they didn't bring back Danny Ketch for Ghost Rider? You had to have Johnny Blaze be the one they were pushing for a year because that was the one that was going to be in the movie, and that's the one they were hoping people would walk out of that theater. Going, you can't push a Steve Rogers Captain America movie and then have him go in and say, "What? He's dead?" Yeah, and and. The uh, the ultimate and dead heroes, uh, Captain Marvel, uh, they have plans for, and we're going to have to see. I, I, I'm skeptical. I'm, I'm still worried about that one because it was such a iconic character and treatment. And the death of Captain Marvel was just a a, a groundbreaking moment in comics. Yeah. It really was. Does this mean there's hope for mine to get my uh, my Vixen and Commander Steel comic? Sort of. Okay, both Vi- well, Vixen is a member of the Justice League of America now, mm-hmm. written by Brad Meltzer, nice. and yeah. the it's not Commander Steel, but the last heir to the Haywood. Haywood. No, I can't remember the character's name, but he's in Justice mm-hmm. Society. So there actually there's a JLA JSA crossover going on with mm-hmm. the New Steel. And that means Vibe can't be far behind. Uh, Vibe has a living brother that has the same powers, nice. and they've used him. So there's a possibility that, that come on, Vibe's shown up as a zombie. Uh, you know, <laughs> they brought him back in Justice League. Awesome. So it's, 
and 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 Chris, it was in Justice League Unlimited. Vibe was a showed up all the time in Justice League Unlimited. I never watched Justice League Unlimited. Well, you should. We should note because he does have fans and they do listen for him. Lon did not go comatose at this point. He had a he had an appointment, an appointment. pressing appointment. He's been pushing off for a while. And what happens when you get a now. bunch of geeks together? We just talk and talk and talk. That's why we had to break this podcast up oh, into two o'clock in the morning. Hey, right let's now. go for three. No, no, I got to eat at some point and read my comics. Come on, more important than anything else. Good point. But yeah. once again, I mean, thanks to everybody at Marvel for the hospitality, the oh, opportunity to meet everybody. Yeah. I mean, you lived the fanboy dream. You I, did. It was, it was absolutely fabulous. Absolutely, and pay and and you know, pay attention. Once we get some uh, the okay to release the pictures you took from DC, you're gonna have one hell of a great DC. Report. I got that release, and we'll start on those uh, right as soon as I'm done with my work. <laughs> I understand. Well, it's the same. I got the same thing. <laughs> yeah, because uh, I got to post them. But uh, but I've seen the some of the I've seen the pictures you took, and it's really cool. And you got great access at DC, and it's it's very thrilling. It's more important than we're going to follow up with a couple of people. But I want to thank the guys at DC and Marvel, um, you know, for opening up, and, and it, it's uh, it's great. And it, I'm jealous. I'm jealous that you got to go there, you know, but there we go. It's all right. You know, if I can ever weasel my way into getting into the Titan Towers for the WWE. I know. I'm going to report. Oh, you know. I know. And you should be, you know, use the Fanboy Planet creds, man. Um, we have a last thing. Oh, and we should, one thing, just, you know, I don't know how Chris feels about this, but and in honor of Lon, we were going to say that Heroes comes back. We have uh, five episodes left. Uh, it comes back April 23rd, so I'm looking forward to finally getting that fix again. It's going to explode. It's going to explode. Is Eccleston still in the next the yeah. last five? Yeah, yeah, yeah believe so. Okay. Believe so. I shouldn't say. Claude Rains. No guarantee. <laughs> yes, I love that. I love I love Chris Eccleston. I think he's one of the great English actors currently working in America. And I actually. <laughs> what a strange qualification it is. Um, well, because he's not David Tennant. David Tennant is right. the greatest living English actor. But now we have to thank Christopher Eccleston because as good as Christopher Eccleston was, he stepped down from Doctor Who and gave us David Tennant on a platter. Yeah. We love David Tennant yeah. as the Doctor. David Tennant is. And David Tennant, I've been watching, he did short films a lot in the uh, early 90s, and I saw a bunch of those come through CineQuest, and they were one called, I think, Traffic Warden, is absolutely one of the funniest short films you'll ever see. Okay, you is, know that, the, is that available on YouTube? Do you know? I think it was on YouTube last time I checked. Okay, Traffic Warden. Traffic Warden. Yeah. Yeah. I remember to look that up. That's Chris's video pick of the week. Well, no, actually. It's, oh, yes, it's my no, YouTube. But you had a Sonoma, because we were going to get around to you. You, yeah. you came from the Sonoma Valley Film Sonoma Festival. Sonoma Valley Film Festival was a great time. There'll be some reviews in the future. Excellent. You brushed up against Winona Ryder. Just brushed. Yeah, just brushed. Um, got to talk to John Lasseter very briefly. Oh, very nice. But the big thing was I talked to Ken Marino and David Wayne of The State, uh, one of the great sketch comedy shows of the early 90s. May I say, I can't say this honestly. Ken Marino, I do believe if he remembers, he personally hates me. Go ahead. Really? Why? Yeah. Um, and they did a film, they wrote a film called The Ten, which is I've ten, seen Ken Marino naked, by the way. That's why he hates God. me. Huh. Is a ten short films based on the, it's basically a comedy version of the Decalogue from Christlovsky. And, uh, Over fanboys from Bendis and Daredevil. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, it's basically very, it's got, you know, it's got Marino. It's got all the members of the state except for the one who was out of the country, uh, who direct, the guy who directed uh, Prettier Than, no, what's it called? That, Drop that, Dead Gorgeous? Drop Dead Gorgeous, thank you. I, was that Michael Showalter? No, 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 Showalter was in it. But uh, no, it was uh, Michael something Jan, I think, or Peter something Jan. Oh, uh, Mike, uh, yeah. Anyway, but yeah, yeah, that guy, he was, he was in it as only a photo. But uh, it also has uh, Liev Schreiber, one of the other great actors with a stupid name. 
uh, Gretchen Mull, who especially act- the way you pronounced it. Yes, Gretchen Mull, who actually tries acting in this film and is actually kind of funny. And Justin Fabud Thoreau Thoreau, what's that? Uh, Justin Thoreau, the Thoreau, yes, from a. Uh, Mulholland and Drive. Yes. And it's absolutely... It's an and Charlie's app- Angels 2, Full Throttle. And Charlie's Angels 2, Full Throttle, yes. Um, and Zoolander. But uh, absolutely hilarious film. Probably the funniest movie I saw at Sonoma. Um, not saying anything bad about Nether Beast Incorporated, starring Daryl Hammond, the funniest man in America. But uh, very, very good film festival. But ultimately, I think The Ten, which is coming out from Think Film, mm. who re- also released a certain documentary about a four-letter word starting with F... Which I thank you for. It's very hard for people to find the review by you on Fanway Planet, but we do occasionally get hits <laughs> from the Google. Uh, so appreciate that. Yes, and from uh, the Google. From the Google. Nice, Dad. <laughs> I know. I got the cigarette. This, I, I, I've been holding a prop cigarette for the last uh, 30 minutes or so. You, you kind of have a Jack Kerouac thing I've going on. I've got this on. thing going on. It's <laughs> my Republican thing for the internet. It's a series of pipes. <laughs> and it's full webs. of yeah, the interwebs. <laughs> I don't know. The Google. I do the Google. Occasionally I say Yahoo. I Go was ahead. on the email this afternoon. <laughs> All right. Yes, but yeah, great Sonoma Valley Film Festival. Great film festival. Uh, great films that will be coming to your Cineplex soon. Another one called The Lather Effect with the incredibly hot Connie Britton in it. Uh, mm, she's on Friday Night Lights, one of those television series on the bubble. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Well, and will probably not be canceled, it's actually. Like the, the, the WB? Or, yeah. no, no, it's on, it's on mm-hmm. NBC. It's apparently like the most critically acclaimed series of the year that no one still watches, no matter what they do. They, right. you know, I, I admit, I've never watched it. I should, because I thought that the movie Friday Night Lights was was great, and I did not. I expected it to, to blow. And then it's I was actually fairly good. And the latest word is that it is probably getting picked up for a certain short season to see if it can and to see if it can pull ratings okay. which and if they pull it in a good time slot which is unlikely because there are no good time slots left oh, they on put NBC. it in decent yeah i um, gotta i i gotta say uh back to my studio 60 thing the, the fact that they're replacing studio 60 now with this stupid the real wedding crashers oh god okay come on even you have to admit you don't like Studio 60, and you'd rather watch Studio 60 than The Real Wedding <laughs> How do you feel about watch. the Black Donnellys now? <laughs> Still bitter. <laughs> okay. Yes, but, uh, yeah. Give me that one. NBC, other than Heroes, NBC's a freaking wasteland. I can't think of anything on NBC I'd watch. I still enjoy Scrubs. Okay, yeah, Scrubs. And I know you don't like it, but I do think that... Uh, I do think that the Thursday night comedy block is getting very is getting very strong. But. I do have to admit there are episodes occasionally of of Earl that are funny. I really like my name is Earl. It's I like it Earl. faltered a little bit this year, but I was back on. Mm-hmm. But you know what? It is now past closing time here. It's closing time, and Steve wants to Steve go. Steve is home. okay. We got another hour. Sure, I'm going to leave you the keys, lock up, meet me here tomorrow morning. Woohoo! Okay. We How have the whole archive to go for. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're all unwrapped. Sorry, right, anything that's missing will be on your bill. Okay, <laughs> Thank great. You. I hear that Steve is actually one of those good store managers. He actually would know. If you walked out with something, it would be on your bill the next week. No questions <laughs> asked. It just would be. You know, and he'd know you were the one who did it. He's damn good. So if you think you're going to get away with shoplifting at this place, oh no. Steve's on top of you. Whoa, hold on now. Okay, <laughs> Do you have to pay extra for that? <laughs> uh, it's, it's You get a discount. It's late. Yeah, it's late. So it is late. Let us wrap it up. Thank you, people, for, for sticking with us this long and for the second part of the Fanboy Planet podcast. Unprecedented. But we had a lot of stuff to go through, so really appreciate it. 
Uh, this is Derek McCaw, Editor-in-Chief of FanboyPlanet.com. If you want any questions, comments, things you want to write in about Mike Weger, of course, I always look forward to your emails. Go to Wikey. Uh, yeah, Editor at FanboyPlanet.com. Uh, any questions for Chris or Rick or Lon, we'll try to bring uh, back. Someday we'll get Mario back in here. Gosh darn it. And uh, we're going to go on. Uh, this, of course, Rick Breschneider, fabulous work this week. Thank you. And a lot of editing he's going to have to do tonight. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> tomorrow. So, yeah. And, of course, Chris Garcia is a guest. And it's been great so, to be here. Uh, do we have, a, we have a special celebrity guest giving our sign-off tonight? We have a guest that is going to do a parting word. A parting word. There we go. So we turn this over to our special guest. <laughs> Hi, I'm Arun Singh, sales coordinator for Marvel Comics. You'll recognize me from some of the press releases you read and from our Daily Bugle monthly newsletter. Remember, use your powers only for good. This is Fanboy Planet. we'd like to thank the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.lukeski.com.